Happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to you Thank today. You. I am excited to have uh, my wife, Gina, here with us. And I think she's got a real uh, special message. Uh, it was her first time sharing with us last Mother's Day. And so when it came around again, I said, hey, you know what? You, you got to do this again. And uh, she agreed. So I'm so thankful for that. Yes. And I'm excited to share with you. <clears throat> Before I get started, I wanted to just pause and think about this day. And I know it's a day that can come with a lot of feelings, um, both positive and ones that might have some discomfort or um, sadness. So for the woman who has lost a child or for the woman who's wanted a child or for the women who are worrying about their children um, or have had a miscarriage or for those that have had a hard relationship with their own mothers or have lost their own mother or other important women in their life, I want to just say clearly, God is near to you and that you are a child of God. In fact, all of us are. And that is a commonality that we all have. Uh, no matter what path um, your childhood was or motherhood has been for you, you are a child of God and we all are. So I really wanted to speak into that and how do we, who are we as children of God? And I think um, some of us haven't really fully accepted that in our minds. Maybe they need to be transformed or maybe it's hard to see God as a father because it, you didn't have the perfect parents and you have baggage from that. And it's hard to even think about that as a child. Or maybe it's hard to have your mind think of what it's like to be a child of God because you've been raised to be an independent adult. And it's weird mm -hmm. to think, it's not like our society to think, I am a child. Um, but our identity is secure when we know who we are in him. And so it's so important that we let our mind really understand what it's like to be a child of God. And also for others, it's so important to understand that our hearts and to really know and accept in our hearts that we are children of God. Um, maybe you've heard it before and it just goes right through You're from one year to the other, right? I'm a child of God. It might be something like saying, oh, today's Sunday or how are you? I'm fine. You know, things that we've just thought of or heard of, but we've never really let them absorb into our hearts. And here's what you need to hear today. Um, God loves you. You are loved unconditionally and it's never been because of anything you've ever done. And it's always because of who you are in him. You belong to him and you need to allow yourself to be loved. I think um, this idea of being a child of God, it's not just a nicety as well. Jesus commands it, that we are to have faith like children. We're to be God's children in our faith. Matthew 18, 3 says, And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And like you were saying, being a child can be seen as this, this negative thing. When you're an adult, it's, it's the impression of being childish is like being in, incomplete or immature or, or lacking in the mm -hmm. understanding that's necessary. But when Jesus commands it and when Jesus uses it, I think what he's, what he's going for is this, this piece of identity yeah. that you are his. I think he's going for... Um, the characteristics of children, children are not inhibited. Whatever, to have a faith mm -hmm. like a child, whatever children do, they do it with all their hearts. They do it sprinting. They don't keep a, they don't keep a slow pace. Um, and most of all, I think I see in the characteristic of children that I think Jesus wants us to have when it comes to faith and a relationship with him is a dependence. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I had a vision of how Samuel will just run to me 
all the time, pick me up. And um, for those of you that have seen Samuel since he was a baby, he's always needed to be connected with me. And when COVID-19 started and we were in quarantine, I thought, finally, I'll be able to spend so much time with him that he won't need to always be craving my presence. And the interesting thing is, the more I've spent time with him, the more attached he's become, the more he wants to be around me. And I think that's so true of who we are as children of God, to be in God's presence. And the more we're in God's presence, the more we'll crave God's presence. And um, as a mom, I think of one of the prayers that I pray for my children every night. And I pray, you know, God, I pray that they can hear your voice and that they know that you hear them. And it goes back to our heart and our mind, right? In order to hear God's voice and to know that God hears you, your heart and your mind have to be positioned in that way. So Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then here it goes. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. So as we renew our mind, as we restore our mind, we can know God's will. And it's so hard though to do that, right? That sounds easy. But when you think about it, we actually, our minds absorb 50 to 80,000 thoughts per day. These, you're probably thinking, I didn't know I thought that much. And it's because so many of these are just subconscious. You don't even know what you're thinking. You don't even know that you're thinking in order to breathe. You don't know what you're thinking whenever you're driving in your car and you notice, oh, a house or a tree or all of these things. And your brain has all these pathways for your thoughts. <clears throat> so we have to constantly be renewing and recentering towards God. Because if we don't do that, we hear all the messaging of the world. And so many times, we think that God's not near to us, but really God's never been far. In fact, he's always right there. Mm -hmm. It's us who have a fog from the messaging of this world, from things like saying, oh, you're not good enough, or you're not loved, mm -hmm. or you're not, or all of those things that come into our mind. And if we're not aware, like flossing our teeth and renewing our mind, then we will not be able to hear God's voice. We'll be, it'll be too foggy. And along with that is our heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I like how you're, you're speaking to the mind and the heart. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, uh, you know, that's very like Western thinking that we have ingrained in Western society, which yeah. is we have our mind here and our heart here. But we really see in scripture and, and even a lot of Eastern culture that there's overlap and there's actually wholeness in that. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where we're, we're moving towards, right? Is to, to, con to convince our hearts and minds and to have them in unity in this place. Yeah. You know, even as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I think like a Western thinker and it's so much easier for my mind to know and understand things of God than for my heart to be oriented towards him. And so I'm the type of person who I learn really well if I can see someone else's example. So um, I've had to really think, okay, Gina, how can you turn your heart towards God? And how can you engage your emotion in your worship of God? And I thought, what better example than David? You know, he's called the man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. And so as I was reading, I've been reading so much of the Psalms this during this quarantine and so many of his Psalms of lament. You know, these are times where there's armies coming up against him. His life is literally on the line and he's crying out to God in these Psalms of lament. And yes, he'll say to God, you know, save me from my enemies, things like that. But you know what he says over and over again? He'll say, 
hear me, God. He'll say, I want to dwell with you, God. That is more important to him. Mm. And it's repeated every time, no matter what his life circumstances are, he is longing to dwell in God and with God. He wants his presence. And at a time like this, when we are noticing and hearing about death and we have people who are sick that we know and that we love and there's more grief around the whole world and things look grim, we can relate a little bit more to David who is in battle, um, trying to protect his own armies and himself. And I've, it's so important to think about what did David do with his heart, even in those times. He chose not to dwell on the circumstances around him, but instead he chose to still worship God and to dwell in God. Hmm. We can choose to dwell on the circumstances around us, or we can choose to dwell in God. Now that doesn't make light of the circumstances around us at all but it points to the one who can actually heal and our hope in those times. So it's no surprise that David chooses to seek God's presence in order to orient his heart and mind. I've read Psalm 23 a lot in my life and even a few times in the last few months. But as I was reading it again to prepare to speak to you today, I saw it in a whole new way. In fact, I want to share with you. So when I look at Psalm 23, verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. And some of us, myself included, need to find or need to allow God to lead us to those still waters and to lie down in those pastures. Because look at what he does when we do that. Verse 3, he goes on to say in verse 3, He restores my soul. So we're Mm -hmm. talking about how do we orient our heart and mind to God? We have a God who, when we seek him, he restores our soul, our mind, our heart. And then it continues. Once we go and we renew our minds, we restore our soul, he anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. It makes so much sense whenever you think about what it is. And when I read that, I was like, wow, look at the verbs. He makes me lie down. He Mm. leads me besides quiet waters. And God wants to to be with us. And sometimes that means our lives have to just calm down. We have to calm them down. We have to give the space to God. And when we do, our soul is restored. And listen to this. He anoints our head with oil and our cup can overflow. Now, I want to pause and speak to the, to the mothers and the spiritual mothers and people who are mentoring others. I have to remember that I am a child of God before I'm the mother of Samuel and Lydia, before I'm the wife of Josh, before I'm Mrs. Sharif at school. My first identity is who I am in God. And I have to remember that because here's why. I will be in his presence I will immerse myself in his word and then I can allow, or, and then that will allow him to anoint my head with oil. And this anointing will be passed down to Samuel and Lydia. I can be the best mom I can be if I do it in that order. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for me to just try to pour all of myself into Samuel and Lydia because the cup will be empty and dry. And the faith that I will pass down to them will be empty and dry. But whenever I allow God and his presence to lead me and guide me and restore me, it will naturally overflow out of me. You know, on Mother's Day, I think of kind of the, the miracle of, of, of being a mother and, uh, and how uh, ladies who do give birth and they're carrying children, you know, mothers really breathe for their children. Yeah. They feed their children. 
but uh, that that comes from outside. The air that they breathe then flows mm. to their children, and the food that they eat then flows to their children. I think the the path of blessing that we see in Scripture over and over is that the blessing comes from God, and God blesses us so that we can be a blessing for other people. And so uh, it's not that the blessing comes from us or how good are you as a person, as, yeah. a, as a mentor, as a mother, as a father, uh, any of that. And, and guys, I hope, you're, I hope you're listening to this too. Um, but it is uh, really God's blessing and God's favor and, and, and that anointing that comes from God. And we get to be blessed and then be a conduit of that blessing as well. Yeah. So that's so good. And it makes me think to, you know, the question, how do we become a conduit of, for God to others? And um, we're actually talking about this a lot in small group about how can we hear God's voice so that we can be a conduit of God for other people. And um, Betsy reminded me of a, a study we did a couple years ago called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And I'm so happy I'm in a small group because I did that study with her, but I completely forgot this part. Mm-hmm. She small reminded me. Plug. Yeah, small group plug. Go to small groups. Um, but she reminded me that God um, interacts with each of us differently. Just like Francis Chan said, he said, I interact with each of my children differently. They're all different people. They have different love languages, different ways to hear me and to respond to me. And in the same way, God created all of us unique. And so each God has a different way to interact with each of us. And so sometimes it's easy to say, well, I saw that God really spoke to that person or that mm. person has that kind of relationship with God and I don't have that. But I want to caution you from that because it's not it's not like God to say, oh, I'm going to only do it with this person mm-hmm. or in this way. I mean, look at all the different ways he spoke to different people in the Bible, from dreams to clouds to burning bushes, prophets. There's so many different ways that he speaks to his people. And so sometimes we'll think, oh, well, he's not speaking to me. Yeah. And I think you could be sitting there yourself thinking, you know, I'm waiting to hear from God. And I can't help but go back to, to the verse you shared, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I think mm. um, so often we are waiting for God to show up, but we're just doing what we want and we're, we're located where we want to be located. We're sitting in our living room saying, God, go ahead. Go mm-hmm. ahead, God. The truth is when I think about looking for something, if you lose your keys, if you lose anything, I, I, the remote, our kids take the remote and I, I'm like, where is the remote? When, we, when you're looking for anything, the first place you look is where it's likely to be. Yeah. So when I'm looking for the remote and I don't know where it is, the first place I start is where the TV is in the, in the living room because I know that's where the remote is used and that's where it's likely under a cushion or something like that. And then if I've exhausted all that, I move on. But the first place we look for something is where it's likely to be. One of my favorite authors that I, I'm always sharing about C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis um, writes and says that if you want to see a train, go where the tracks are. And if you want to find God, go where his mission is. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you're asking yourself the question, uh, God, where are you? Why am I not hearing from you? I think you start by asking yourself the question, am I where God is? Am I living the kind of life that's on mission with him? Am I engaged in the things that, that God wants to show up in? Am I where God's mission is? Because if you're where your own preferences are, in your own comfort, in your own, uh, lack of a better term, isolation and, 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 and selfish preferences, that might not be where God's voice is the loudest. 
Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying that, I'm realizing that that's a lot of what happened to me. Um, I'm going to be honest with, honest with you. I didn't, I'm very new to coming on this journey, actually. I didn't always hear God's voice or even know God's voice. And I continue to grow in this, as I think all of us do as we um, grow with Christ. But um, when I grew up, I knew a lot about God and I had faith in God, but I really started to hear his voice in a new way when we started to do ministry. And I was put in positions and situations where I was like backed up against a wall, right? I couldn't do it in my own strength. I didn't know what to do. I think you probably felt a lot of the same mm, way. I um, yeah, yeah, today we feel, I feel the same way. And so it's like, those are the times when I'm like, God, I am desperate for you. I need you. This is way beyond what I can do. Mm -hmm. I need you in this time. And whenever I look at that and I'm realizing that is a time that I am desperate for God. I'm clinging to him. Another time that was like that was um, becoming a mom and, um, you know, having this, these precious little babies where I'm like, I can't do anything to control whether this baby is going to be safe or not. You know, like this is in God's hands. And I was just at a whole new level of depending on God and realizing that I need him. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, are you at a spot in your life where you really need God? And I'm not saying go suffer or make yourself suffer, um, but maybe it means to put yourself in a spot that God's calling you and to serve in a new way. Um, it might be having an uncomfortable conversation that you've been putting off um, about who who God is in your life and what he's done. And maybe you're like, I can't do that. God wouldn't choose me. I mean, here are the thoughts and the reactions that we have to those things. Those are our hearts and our minds not being oriented to who we are in God. And so um, a lot of this is listening to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And if you're saying, but Gina, I don't even have that. I wish that I knew the call in God in my life. Well, let me first just say it's not a vocation. It doesn't mean the call in God in your life means you need to go be a pastor it means that you need to just follow him in the small steps, that first small step. And if you don't know what that first small step is, I mean, literally, I do this all the time. I open my hands and I just pray to God and I pray, God, what is it you have for me? What words should I be saying? Who should I be talking to? God, what is it you have for me? God, I will mm. do it. And the, God is so good. He says, ask, seek, and knock, and he'll do it. Mm. So many times... We don't even value ourselves or see ourselves as a child of God. Samuel and Lydia have no problem asking me for anything. They just do it. They don't think about it. So many times, there's like, so many times in my life, they're like, I'm not sure about this. It's like, I don't even think to ask God. It's like, ask God. He'll answer mm -hmm. you. And so when we need God, he's so near to us. And whenever you do things out of your own strength, but in his will, you'll look back and say, wow, God did that because I know I could never have done that. God did that through me. God chose me for this work. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, you know, John 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know mm -hmm. them and they follow me. I think I see over and over through scripture, there is a, uh, not a God speaking problem, but a us listening yeah. problem. I think my mm -hmm. journey of, of listening to God started with opening myself up to, to be obedient to God's voice in, in the smallest ways. First of all, following Jesus in the first place, making that decision and saying, I'm now a new creation. Jesus is my Lord. And then from there, beginning to open up his word and say, 
oh, this is how I'm supposed to live my, my life. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to orient my mind. And this is how I'm supposed to orient my heart. And then uh, along, along that journey, I found that I've gotten to a place where um, I can begin to feel the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And over time, I had to work out when I feel like, I think God's asking me to do this, or God's asking mm-hmm. me to have this conversation with this person or, or to do this thing. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I was just dead wrong. I couldn't, I didn't know the difference between my own ambitious mind and, and the Holy Spirit. But over time, I started to hear my shepherd's voice and understand when the Holy Spirit is calling me to something or when I just want to do something. And I think that is, you know, the picture I have in my head is almost like, like a, like a funnel. It's just a narrowing of, uh, clearing out the other voices until we can hear God's voice. Yeah, and that's it says, and they follow me. So we hear and then we follow, which made me think, you know, as a mom, I've noticed lately that I'll be like, oh, Lydia, can you run and grab me this? Oh, Lydia, can you do this? If there's just a quick thing that I need, I'll ask Lydia. And I started to realize like, wait, why am I not asking Samuel to do these things? And, mm-hmm. you know, at first I'm like, oh, well, it's because he's three and Lydia's six and that's normal. But then I realized, you know what? It's because I used to ask Samuel to do to be my helper and Lydia always loved, even when she was three, I get to be your special helper. It was her thing. She loved it. And Samuel, whenever I ask him to be my helper, he literally will not turn around and even look at me. He will like <laughs> he pretend like he like cannot him. hear me. He yeah. was, he's been doing this for so long that now I've even... My mind pathway is, eh, might as well just ask Lydia. I don't even think to ask Samuel. And it's so true because if God is asking us... I think when you get to the point of proclamation, sharing what God has done in your life, it starts from that life, that heart, that mind that's completely convinced and soaked in him. And that's the only way we can actually live that life of proclamation. Full lungs proclaiming who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. He's not asking us to whisper it. He's not asking us to mellow out in in the way we we say. He wants us to live the kind of life that breathes deep and shouts it out. Yeah. And I think it's so important when we're proclaiming who God is and what he's done, it's to remember, first, you're God's child. You're meant to live in his presence. You're meant to hear his voice. You're meant to obey his Mm -hmm. voice and you're meant to proclaim him. And it's so important that we don't forget that we can do all of these things because we are a child of God. We are his heir, but it's not just what we receive as an inheritance from God. It's the Bible also says that we are God's inheritance. We're his treasure. And before this world was made, God knew what it would cost to have you here. And he looked at his own son and he knew the pain that it would bring for us to be able to dwell with him one day. And God knew that the only way he would ever be able to dwell with us is that he'd have to watch his own child suffer and die on the cross, which is something as a mom I could never imagine doing. And God still said it was worth it Mm -hmm. and that you're worth it. And he delights in us. And we are his heirs but he chooses to call us his inheritance. The book of Revelation, it says that he will come and dwell with us. Mm. He's not far off. He made a bridge to come back to us, his special treasure. And as you can see, I'm really emotional. It's back to that Psalm 23. My cup can overflow and reflect 
the glory of God to those around me because of the work he's done in my own life and because the love that he has for me, a person who keeps her emotions under wraps, it overwhelms me to Mm. think that someone would ever, ever sacrifice that just to dwell with me, to delight Mm. in me. So just to close our time, we want you to, to literally dwell in this truth that we find in the Gospel of John, one of my favorite places in all of Scripture. John 1, verse 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who became, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, mm-hmm. children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And, and, and I have to read verse 14 too. The word became flesh yeah. and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who mm-hmm. came through the father full of grace and truth. Amen. And so um, as we end our time with uh, a song, we want to end our time with a song of blessing because first and foremost, we want everyone here to understand the blessing yes. that they have to be children of God. Mm-hmm. We want you to understand that that blessing is not just for you. Yes. That blessing is for your children, your children after you. That blessing is for those around you. And it's not in your power. And so if you don't know Jesus today, we want to invite you into the family. Would you uh, leave a comment? Uh, would you uh, write, follow the links for your next step? And today, if you are somebody who um, is a follower of Jesus We want to make sure that your mind and heart are stayed on him, that you understand fully what it means to live uh, this life. And I know that we would love to talk with you personally. If there's any part of this that you feel like you're hung up on or that you can't understand, would you send us a message? Um, I'm going to ask um, Eugenia if you would just pray over everyone. Perfect. I was going to do it anyway. Um, Dear Lord, I pray for... I pray for your children, Lord. Um, I pray that they can hear you, Lord. And I pray that they know your voice and obey. And I pray that you confirm to them that you can hear them, that you're not far off, Lord, that you cut through the fog that we have been surrounded by with our thoughts, Lord, and that um, your, your love can really be absorbed into our hearts, Lord. I pray that you go before us as your children that you um, stand behind us and watch guard, Lord. I pray that you um, walk beside us, with us, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit is inside us to guide us. It's in your name I pray. Amen.